Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Chad Jensen. With me is the producer extraordinaire. For mile high huddle and the co-host of broncos for breakfast you know him you love him scott kennedy scott dude how was your weekend my friend before we get into some bronco talk did you have a good weekend wet lots of rain here hot hot and wet as uh adrian cronauer said that's well i'm not gonna say what he said it was it's kind of kind of dirty uh but uh <laughs> that was uh from good morning vietnam great movie by the way but good to be here and uh looking forward to talking some broncos football it feels i mean Feels like we're in the dog days, but you know we're gonna blink twice and they'll be back at practice here. It, it, it goes fast. Yes, and if it could just go a little bit faster, that would be cool. But you know what? Even in the depths, I mean, we're literally in the worst possible, like the slowest part on the NFL calendar, and I can still find plenty of stuff to write about. It's not Scott. It's not about like current events or like this happened. We're reporting this this event on the field or this off the field thing but there's still plenty to talk about with the Denver Broncos because man a lot has changed since the last game of last season and uh it's really reshaped the entire conversation for the Denver Broncos so lots of people out there in the NFL media world keeping the Denver Broncos in the conversation very front of brain and that's kind of nice for a change yeah again when you have a superstar quarterback and he's a legitimate superstar whether you want to call him you know you think he's declined if you're one of the Seattle fans that oh he's, he's on his way down it, it doesn't matter his Q rating is still top three or four as far as you know uh newsmakers you know his power couples in the NFL that's going to keep people talking all the time because it's good for uh it's good for business but yeah. you know I think it's it's definitely beyond that it's we talked about how it's it was just so bad last year. It was it was boring and bad football. Boring, bad, dull. Uh, 
grouchy, all kinds of things. And you couldn't have a more polar opposite head coach come in and Nathaniel Hackett. And you got an eight-time Pro Bowl or a quarterback. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited. I heard a lot last year going in. This team yeah. was a quarterback away. Well, right. we're going to find out. We're going <laughs> to find out. Gonna, we're fixing to find out, to quote the great Gary Kubiak. Guys, so much more to get to tonight. We're going to talk about a few things for those of you. And by the way, before I get into some matters of business, got to shout out Dylan. Go check out his article, by the way, that he just published breaking down, projecting, predicting the three st- the, the, the big statistical leaders of the Broncos' defense in 2022. It's great to see you, bro. Andrew Morrow's in the house. Kevin Gray. Jay, what's going on? Bobby's in the house. Um, getting in early, too. So, And then even an early super here from Roki. So Roki. Roki Allen throwing down early right as we're getting things up and rolling. So appreciate that, Roki. Yeah, it feels like a new name. So welcome in. Appreciate the support. Chris Hernandez, definitely not a new name. An OG. Um, OG. With the with the big stars coming in, giving us the, the clapping emotions. Mm-hmm. So appreciate you coming in with that, Chris. Thank you so much for the support. And by the way, Chris, I have something to share with you, dude. I have something to share with you that I think you might be interested uh, to hear. That's uh, maybe a, a conversation for another time in another place. We got some Broncos talk to get to tonight. Drew Locke, we're going to talk about him throwing some shade at the old Broncos coaching staff in defense of Noah Fant. We're going to talk about Justin Simmons and the polls that have ranked a few different Broncos in the top 10, according to their peers. Before we do that, though, we got to say thank you to presenting sponsor tonight's live stream podcast, and that is Manscaped. Listen up. Crotch discomfort, it is no fun. We all know this, but fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. It's sleek, soft, comfortable, and flexible. It's the brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped that take your uh, jewels to the royal ball throne, as they like to say. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the Lawnmower 4.0, which you've heard myself, Scott, Zach, all the dudes sing the praises of for the trimming so that you can wear the Boxers 2.0 for the chilling. So let your you-know-what breathe, get 20% off, plus free shipping by using our code MHH at manscaped.com. You know, they they use a lot of talk and stuff about just to get your attention, to have some fun with it. But, you know, even without the below the waist, as you get a little older, you start getting hair growing in places you don't want it, and it starts losing the places you do want it. Ears, nose, back, all of those things. Manscaped is perfect for that. For the guy, you know, that's not 25 years old and just looking for smooth everywhere, but for the guy who's 45 plus years old and starting to sprout things where he didn't want them to sprout. (laughs) Yep. No doubt about it, guys. So join the throngs of very satisfied dudes out there that use Manscaped for all of our grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use our code MHH at checkout at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with our code MHH at manscaped.com. Up your crotch game because once the boxers 2.0, once they're on, you're never going to go back. All right. With that said, Scott, let's get to this. ESPN, with a little help from Pro Football Focus, I'm mm-hmm. still not exactly sure how that works, but I'm just going to say ESPN. They polled NFL a, a little bit more. I think it was like 50, just over 50 executives, coaches, and players to and scouts, compile a list so of the top personnel, 10 yep. NFL personnel, period. Mm-hmm. Not fans, not writers. It was people in the league. 
And as we talked about, I think it was on Thursday night's show, Patrick Sertan, he checked in as the number seven ranked cornerback, according to his peers. Justin Simmons, though, number one safety. What are, what's your thoughts? That seems uh, that seems a little aggressive for maybe both of them, honestly. Um, I, I think we're thinking of almost like a where was Pat Sertan last year? Was he a top seven corner in the NFL? That's, that might be, I think we're talking about where we think he can take that leap this year. Um, I don't know that he was a top 10 guy last year. Really good. Don't get me wrong. I'm one of his biggest fans. Have been since we started doing this, you know, 18 months ago in January. I said, this is a guy you need to draft, Denver Broncos. And, but I, I think it's it's a little bit of a projection for Sertan that he's going to take that leap into being a number seven, top five, knocking on the door of the, one of the best young corners in the NFL um, Justin Simmons, I honestly, I don't watch enough of the NFL to say, okay, he is the top safety. I know he's pretty darn good though. And, uh, and it feels like we talk about Von Miller coming back, you know, when he was a free agent for a while, kind of flirting with the Broncos, it seemed like right before the quarterback situation got settled. It feels like this team has moved on. This group of players has moved on. This is Justin Simmons' team. This is Justin Simmons' Denver Broncos defense right now. I fully believe that. We can get into what he and Russell Wilson had to say. It was a very nice conversation between the two of them that Broncos TV did a little feature. I'm not sure if it was on the team site, denverbroncos.com, but I definitely checked it out on their YouTube channel. And uh, just kind of seeing those two top of the mountain kind of team leaders like these are the two lead dogs for the Denver Broncos now it was kind of cool to see how they vibe off each other but at the same time watching their interpersonal dynamics it was clear Justin Simmons is kind of taking his he's kind of learning at the feet of a guy like Russell Wilson as crazy as that might sound like like you could see when Russ started talking philosophy and he started talking about I know a lot of you read that article Russell Wilson unveils the two keys that a winning team has to have when he starts going into that you can see Justin Simmons just like wrapped attention. He's soaking it all in. He's a sponge. And then you're going to see him channel that, utilize that on the grass. Real quick, Scott, mm-hmm. it's, it's Rocky. That's how he pronounces his name. Thank Very you cool. for that, Very my friend. Cool. He says, I've been at Ghost Fan on Spotify for a while now, mostly Broncos for breakfast. Hey, shout out. Glad to catch y'all live for a change. Well, Rocky, it's great to meet you, my friend. We do appreciate your support, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's live, whether it's throwing down a super chat. Mm-hmm. So thank you, my friend. And uh, we appreciate you making yourself known. Yep. And Gary Lee's Palmer is always known of coming in on Facebook with stars on every show that we do. Thank you so much, Gary. And Phil coming in. Good morning, Phil. Never know where Phil's coming in from. Yeah, where are you, Phil? Phil's the world traveler. I think he was doing some some England, maybe back to Cambodia. Who knows? He's like Phil 007 is what Phil (laughs) Phil the sleuth, the globetrotter. Russell Wilson, the globetrotter? No, no, no. It's Phil McLaughlin, the the globetrotter. I see here, Scott, that Albert's asking about this T-shirt. Is that one of the newer shirts? It is. And look, if you guys saw my little teaser video I uploaded when this stuff arrived, you saw that I doubted initially that red, I mean, we all know what the Bronco colors are. We even know what mile high huddle site colors are. They're the Bronco colors. I wasn't sure how red would actually work on orange, blue, and white, but believe it or not, it, it pops. So yeah, go to huddleuppod.com or right now, if you're on YouTube underneath the uh, video box there, you can see our, our merch. Appreciate that, Albert. And we are working on a special one 
that involves also a concept Albert himself kind of sussed out regarding uh, Broncos country not being a geographic location. It's a state of being. So we'll we'll unveil that here in the near future, bro. And Andrew Baker coming in says, sup, Chad, Scott, and fam. It's been a minute. Just got home from vacation. So who has to step up to not lose their job? Me. I do. <laughs> I need to yeah. step up. It's summer. Yeah. I've, uh, I've kind of gotten the, the summer the summer blues going on right now. So I need to step it up, Andrew. Uh, appreciate you coming in. Who needs to step up? We can we can get into that a little bit yeah. as we go on for sure, Andrew. We'll 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 come we'll circle back to that one for sure. Yeah, off the cuff, I'll tell you right now, Bradley Chubb, he needs to step up. Was he going to lose his job? Maybe not this year, but if he wants to be the presumptive number one rush linebacker of the Denver Broncos and the bona fide successor to Von Miller, who trained him, right? Like he. Vaughn was one of his mentors together as when he was a rookie in 2018, he and Vaughn combined for 26 and a half sacks. He learned a lot from Vaughn. Are you the true successor? That's one guy that really has a lot to prove this year playing on the fifth year. So he got himself a nice raise. He's just completed his second. Now this is his fifth year. Just completed only what was his second fully healthy off season. The last time he was fully healthy, Scott for an off season, was his rookie year, and he produced 12 sacks for the Broncos and really was a sensation. We'll see if he can duplicate that. I want to say Dalton Reisner mm-hmm. or Lloyd Cushenberry. Oh, yeah. You know, and and immediately one of the guys that came to mind for me was Kareem Jackson, but how much is he going to step up? You know what you've got there. So right. someone else needs to step up to take his job. You know, I don't. he's not going to like, okay, he's been playing at this level. He needs to all of a sudden take it to the next level. That's not going to happen with Kareem Jackson. You got what you got. He's a veteran. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about a, a guy that's coming into his, his uh, you know, what, third year with Lloyd Cushenberry, it's time to take that to the next level. How about, how about Josie Jewell? How about some of the linebackers, too? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of competition at that inside linebacker position. So I guess we got into it now, didn't we, Chad? We got into it. I mean, we might as well. Unlike when we're in the actual football season, we are very much slaves to the news cycle and whatever topics that are hot on the uh, wire that we need to get to. But right now, hey, we're not even quite midway through July. We can let our hair down whenever we dat gum, please. So, you know, we can start talking like must have rock albums for every rock fan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's do our top 10 rock albums. Let's go, dude. Oh, top 10 rock album. No, I, I, this might not be my top 10, but I, I, I kind of joked. I was listening to the Cult Electric today. I'm like, mm. that's a must-have. If you're a rock fan, it has to be in your, in your catalog. You have to have that album. Have to. The Cult. Electric, specifically. I've never gotten that into the Cult. Not to derail this conversation. Don't worry. We're going to talk about <laughs> Drew Locke and what he said about the ex-Broncos coaches here in just a second. But there is a tie from the Cult to my favorite band in the world, Bad Religion. The the newest the new guitar player when I say new he's been in the band like golly almost ten years now but I know we think new but it's like Godsmack is still new to me they've been around for twenty five <laughs> years that's one of the but new yeah Van to... Halen's the old band you know Godsmack's the new stuff dude that guy though he used to play in the cult for what it's worth uh, Mike Dimchick or something like the Dimich I can't well, remember I, how you say they're not one of my it's not one of my favorite albums it's not one of my favorite bands I like the cult but some of their stuff I love. And uh, the electric is, it's a must have. It's just one of those must haves. It's just, so it's, it's different and cool. I'll check it out, dude. I, I love, I'm a lover of music, period. You have and me even, in plastic for tastic lobster telephone. 
That's all Wait, you need what? to say. That, is that from the record? That's the lyrics. Little, yeah. These are the lyrics. Okay. All right. I'm like, what now? Are you having a stroke, Scott, right now? Um, let's get to this real quick. We can yep. continue to talk some some rock. We continue. We'll do that if you guys want to hear some stuff. But first things first, Scott, this episode is titled around what Drew Locke had to say. And I'm going to try and do a share screen. Now, listen, guys, in case you missed it, in the two weeks I was gone, one of the reasons I was gone so long is my family and I moved. And in my new locale, even though I didn't really change anything, one thing that did change was my internet company. And we have noticed some bugaboos, some little things that are just slightly different. And uh, we're trying to figure out how to iron out those wrinkles as ASAP. So in the meantime, though, little things like when I go to do a share screen, it might interrupt my audio a little bit, but just bear with me. And I'll just kind of keep that in mind, Scott, and uh, pause before I get into it. But here's the headline. Um, Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke laments how the Broncos misused Noah Fant, the tight end. Here's what he said, telling uh, who was it? Brady Henderson of ESPN. I think what's cool for Noah in this offense is I think you're going to see a little bit more of just his feel for football in general, his savviness, his whereabouts of bodies around him, how he feels defenses. I think we could have maybe pressed the field with him a little bit more in Denver, but he's going to have the opportunity to do that here. And I know he's pumped about it. Close quote. Now, as I write in this article, Scott, before people get all up in arms, lambasting Locke, or I mean, I don't think too many people are going to try and defend Pat Shermer all that much, but a reminder, Noah Fant, after the blockbuster trade that sent him, Locke, Shelby, and a group of picks to Seattle for Russell Wilson, his kind of farewell, he did an appearance on 104.3 The Fan in Denver, Mm -hmm. and he basically said the same thing, that he got a little frustrated the way Pat Shermer was using him. I'm going to read this last little section here. Whoop. He said, uh, pardon me. He said, uh, it was a little frustrating being used in the short field. Obviously that's a part of the game and those intermediate routes are important, which I can do also, but definitely with my speed and things like that, I was drafted to get more down the field. Hopefully that works out in Seattle. Close quote, Scott, your thoughts. Um, there's, there's nothing in there that we necessarily disagree with. Uh, Noah Fant caught a lot of flack for his inability to move the ball once he caught the ball. And he's like, Hey, that's not my strength. You know, and so be it, you know, you'd like to think a 260 pound guy could get some yards after the catch a little bit, but he's straight line fast. He's not necessarily super balanced. Um, scouting players, I, I, you know, the two most underrated aspects of a running back or of a runner in this case, a ball carrier is vision and balance. And one of the reasons they're underrated is because you cannot measure them. I can get a shuttle time. I can get a vertical jump, but you don't know, you cannot measure balance and vision, but you can damn sure tell if a player's got it or not. And the guys with good balance, the players just kind of schluff off them. You know, they get hit and they stay upright and they just kind of bounce inside. It looks like they're dancing almost. Yeah. They have just phenomenal balance. You know, watch some old highlights of, of Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the balance that he had was just unbelievable. He'd get hit and just stay completely upright. Level, you know, it, it just, you know, and the guys would just slide off him or just they'd try and hit him and just knock him sideways. He kept his balance the whole time. Just, um, that's not necessarily his uh, no offense forte, and he's willing to admit that. Uh, I'd like to get down the field a little bit more and be used where I can catch on the run. Mm-hmm. And that's where 
you know, Drew Locke was coming in and saying, we're going to try and use him a little bit more like that here. We didn't get to use him like that in Denver. And I think he's excited about it. And so am I, you know, there's nothing there that's, that's earth shattering. That's, oh my God, can you believe what he said? Uh, I think we all pretty much agree with that, to be honest with you. Not too many nits to be picked there. And it's kind of funny because even though I joked that there are more highlights of Albert Okuebunam, you know, catching a short pass, breaking a tackle, picking up plus yardage, than there were of Noah Fant scoring touchdowns last year. If you think about Noah Fant's most explosive plays as a pro, and he does have a handful of them. It's not like he was just some schlub in Denver. I agree he was misused, but he had stretches, bouts, you know, little bursts of production. And if you think of his most productive plays, I'm thinking of Houston, that big Drew Locke Houston game, his second career start back in 2019. I'm thinking, again, back to Noah's rookie year, he caught like a 65, 70-yard screen pass, took it to the house. All of his big explosive plays, oddly enough, they weren't the over-the-top, using his speed to bust the seam, et cetera. They were, hey, it's a little out route or it's a little under route or it's a screen, get some blockers out in front or just makes a man miss. And then with that twitch, athleticism, speed, all that, he's off to the races, which is kind of um, it's kind of a dichotomy, Scott, because maybe that's what fooled the Broncos into thinking that the short game thing with the tight ends would work out because they had seen him break a few tackles and then off to the races he goes. Or maybe he just didn't fully buy in. I'm sure there's complicity to be had on both sides of this issue, but you compare him to Noah, to pardon me to Albert O last year, they were both running the same type of routes. Noah Fant, you could, I mean, you could foresee it. You could pro, project it in your mind's eye. As soon as he caught the ball, tackled. It was like Fant, reception, falls down. Albert O, though, he would fight for those yards. He'd leap over guys, you know, and I don't know. I think Noah Fant, that was his way perhaps of kind of of just sending the message to the to the coaches that I'm not really down with how I'm being used. Not if that were the case, not the most mature way to protest, especially when your time in the NFL is finite. But I digress. Yeah. And some of it's want to, you know, I don't again, I didn't see a whole lot of guys play their hearts out last year. You know, yeah. one of the guys, and that's why I said, I, you won't hear me criticize Kareem Jackson. I never had any doubt he was playing every down like it was, it was his last. And you need some mm-hmm. guys like that out there. Um, some guys can feed off of that. This this team was sunk early last year. You had a, a coaching staff that was a dead man walking after about week five. And they were just running out the duration. With a 17-week season with a bye in the middle of it, that's a long time. Um, you know, so did was, was he giving it his all all season? Maybe not. Um, but, you know, you talk about some of these screen plays and stuff like that. I'm like, you know who I want to get the ball into his hands in, in those type of situations? Jerry Judy. I want to mm-hmm. find, if, if, I'm, if I'm counting on a guy to make a man miss and use his speed, I want to get it to a make a guy miss fast guy. I want to get it to Jerry Judy in those type of situations. I want to get my 260-pound wrecking ball into the second level of the defense if I can get him behind the linebackers and, and watch him. I mean, it's, I say it's diabolical. It's, you know, one of the things we love about this game is it's, it's, it is violent. And I love watching 210 pound safeties bounce off of 260 pound tight ends. It's, it's not fun for them, but it's fun to watch. Oh yeah. And you know, if you're not getting your, your player like that in traffic and he's not good at that, that in traffic, then it's, it's a waste of a body, you know? So, 
I remember one time I saw a screenplay. It was a slip screen to the tight end, and the X receiver comes down and starts blocking. Well, it was a 210-pound wide receiver, and the 260 pounds catching the ball at a dead stop. I'm like, wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, not, that's not the body type. That's not how they should be used. And, I mean, there's exceptions, of course. There's always exceptions. You can get some ISOs. And as fast as he is, if I can hit him on a swing pass and he's full gallop and I'm running post patterns from everybody else and I've just got a linebacker chasing him, game on. But again, my tight end needs to be able to catch the ball in traffic over the middle and drag bodies with him. Lone Wolf, he says, hey, Chad and Scott, what enraged Locke enough to criticize? Here's the thing. Locke wasn't enraged. Locke is a guy who often says things and when they when they become controversial, when he when he when it's realized that he, what he said might can could potentially be interpreted as controversial, you realize that it's always inadvertent. And maybe I'm selling Locke short a little bit. Maybe he fully intended to say that the way he did. But even if it was a fully cognizant, present assertion, and he meant to say what he said, um, which I doubt, but if he did, it's not earth shattering. He's just saying, yeah, maybe we could have used fans speed and you know more downfield stuff in denver it's a it's a shot it no doubt about it it is a shot across the bow but if we look at it scott in terms of degrees of seriousness i doubt it's the type of thing even a guy like pat Shermer or vic fangio have either of those dudes got jobs yet i don't know are, are staying up at night you know that's not they're not worried about it no, and, and it's it's more being positive about what Noah Fant can bring to the table, I think, than yeah. being negative. It's just, it's hard. Mm-hmm. To, if, if he was still here, if he was still with the Denver Broncos and Drew Locke was still from the Denver Broncos and he were to say, and everybody, nothing else changed, and he were to say, listen, I don't think we've seen the best of Noah Fant. We, we're going to find ways to use him better. That's not a shot. That's how do we improve? How do we get better? How do we use our weapons the best? It's not always going to be the same. We're always trying to improve. And if, if you want to take a look at it from the other side of things, say, well, if we're getting better, it means we were bad before. And he's, you know, looking back at his old, not, not necessarily. This is more about, I'm the I'm working to try and be the quarterback or with, with the Seattle Seahawks. I want my fans to be excited about one of my teammates. And this is what I'm going to have to say about it. You haven't seen the best of Noah fan. And this is what you can expect. And by default... You end up saying this is what he wasn't doing at Denver. There's, no there's, you know, it's again, it's pretty standard, pretty standard stuff. Let's, and maybe we wouldn't even be spending this much time on the podcast talking about it if it was actual football season. We'd have other fish, bigger fish to fry. Let's shift gears for a second here, Scott. This is an article that Dylan published today, a nice piece here predicting the Broncos' 2022 statistical leaders on defense. Interception leader, he's got Justin Simmons, he predicts, for what it's worth, as the guy who's going to finish 2022 with the most interceptions on the team. And I think it's a pretty sound projection in terms of this guy's track record. I'll just quote this this one paragraph. Simmons led the Broncos last year with five picks. More impressive are his 19 interceptions over the past five years, second most by a safety, and in that time, a type from fourth most overall uh, projection, he he says eight or more picks in 2022 is attainable. He's not specifically like predicting eight or more, but could you see Justin Simmons being that productive, Scott, in the takeaway department? And if so, 
how would it, I mean, that would be even getting to eight would be nearly double his career high and career average. So is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? I'd take the under. Uh, we had a conversation about this. I think it was uh, Sertan and, and Justin Simmons combining for 12 to 14 somewhere. I was like, I'd probably take the under on that. It's just hard. Getting interceptions is hard. Um, if you're good at what you do, they're going to go away from you. They're going to try and throw it somewhere else. Uh, you, you've got a pretty idea, especially you, you got that big number one as a target now, uh, Pro Bowl status. Quarterback's going to come up. First thing he's going to do is find, well, first thing you do is look and find out where, you know, Chubb and, and Gregory are. And the next thing is where Sertan and Simmons. Okay, let's check those guys out. Maybe we can go away from them. So eight, I would take the under on eight. That doesn't mean, again, it's interceptions are. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. They're, a, they're a great when they happen, but there are, sometimes there's some luck involved. And you can be really, really good at your job as a safety without having the interception numbers to go with it. Yeah, Kareem Jackson knows a lot about that. And I'm not saying that to be cheeky in any way, shape, or form. Very good safety. Uh, High-impact player. Not huge in the takeaway department. Never really has been. Um, and if there's anything I could see that could potentially lead to this many takeaways for Simmons, it would be the Broncos will be playing with more leads. I'm not going to say every single game they're going to be leading by two or three touchdowns, but they are going to be playing with more leads in 2022 and beyond. And that's just going to put more onus on the opponent. They're going to take to the air a little bit more. It's going to give the defense uh more opportunities to be predatory. So let's let's move on down. This one really was real, the more... real quick before we move on from yeah, that yeah. chat. The pass rush mm-hmm. should be better. Yes. You know, we can we can go into this as well with the sack leader, but the pass rush should be better. So if you're in more passing situations, last year you go into the season thinking you got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, you really had neither. This year, hopefully you got Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, full season of them. We know we got Jonathan Cooper. That's a that's he he can he can play a little bit. Malik Reed as a designated pass rush specialist. If he's on the team, that was a discussion we had last week. We shall see. Yeah, he, he can get after the quarterback a little bit. Baron Browning is going to get that chance some. Nick Benito, d- uh, designated pass rush. So the pass rush should get better. There's been some resources poured into that. So if you're playing with a lead, and you've got an, a defensive coordinator that is more aggressive. I think saying those two things aren't big stretches. You should be more aggressive on offense and defense. Pass rush should be better. Interception numbers should go up. Who would be the sack leader? Now, this wouldn't necessarily be who I would predict, but I there is a sound argument that Dylan makes here in this article for Draymond Jones. 
Uh, what what could you see kind of being his total somewhere between 10 to 15 sacks this season? And then he's got Josie Jewell, which I think is a pretty fair assumption at, at the tackle leader if Josie stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Scott, can you see Draymond Jones? I mean, that would really be a, a bona fide breakout season. We've been hyping up Draymond Jones as a potential candidate to break out now for this will be year two that we hyped it as a as a plausible possibility. 10, 15 sacks. I mean, as for, as an interior rusher, you know, this isn't an, an edge guy as an interior rusher that would put him in, you know, the conversation with guys like Aaron Donald and the JJ Watts of old, uh, a three, four end getting teens in sacks. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent would be 26 years old. He'd go from 2.5 million this year to 25 million next year. Um, I think that's aggressive. I think I just don't think not that he isn't capable of doing it. It's just a it's a different scheme. It's it's really really hard to pile up those numbers as a three four end. Your job we we I've said it before. It's an sob position. You know, being a being a lineman in a in a three four. Your job is to take on two blockers and let the edge and the inside guys get all the glory. It is a linebacker heavy edge heavy uh, glorified. Um, defense. So uh, again, I'd take the under on that one as well. And who would I say, you know, I, I think it's got to be one of the edge guys, um, either Randy Gregory or Bradley Chubb, if they stay healthy, they should, hopefully they're knocking on the door 16 to 20 um, in their first year together. Does that sound conservative? Um, maybe what's, you know, what's, what are their career highs? You know, if they get nine a piece, that'd be knocking on the door of career highs for both of them. So 16 to 20 out of the pair, and and one of the leaders there, and I think you're going to be pretty happy. Throw in some a corner blitz, a safety blitz here or there. Uh, inside linebacker coming, uh, Jonathan Cooper and Malik Reed chipping in with three or four, and then uh, you know you're you're in the 30s for sacks, and you, you got a pretty good season. There is a time and a place as a writer, as an analyst, where it's you you feel comfortable, you feel safe taking a chance. I don't think it's completely outside the bounds of the plausible that. Draymond Jones could end up as this team's sack leader, but I agree with Scott. If it's not Bradley Chubb or if it's not Randy Gregory, the Broncos are probably going to have bigger problems than we realize potentially on defense. And I understand with both those guys, health plays a big factor in terms of how productive. I mean, you could say that with any player, but especially these two guys, if they're healthy, you can feel pretty confident equating that to some level of production on the field. And as you mentioned, I mean, the Broncos put a lot of dollars, a lot of resources, including draft picks, into upgrading the edge rusher position in the wake of the Von Miller trade. So I'm I'm going to bet on Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. If you ask me who's going to lead this team in sacks, I'm going to guess it's Bradley Chubb. And if it's not Bradley Chubb, I'm going to guess Randy Gregory. And if it's not Randy Gregory, Scott, I'll talk Draymond Jones. Yeah, again, it needs to be one of those two guys for you to be fully successful. And, you know, Draymond Jones in three years has 15 and a half sacks. To think that he's going to double that number, you know, and I know it said 10 to 15. To think that he's going to double that number, boy, he's going to get expensive. <laughs> gonna hurry. Like I said, if, if he gets if he gets double-digit sacks as a 3-4 end, he's going from 2.5 to 25 million. You're, you're talking, maybe not that much, but you're talking 15 to 18 minimum for what he's going to get in his next contract guys we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit here and uh we're gonna talk about some of the things that russell wilson 
had to say about his philosophy. You know, 10 years in Seattle, most of that time the Seahawks were a force to be reckoned with in terms of the NFC playoff picture, led him to two Super Bowls, one one of them, obviously, at the expense of the Denver Broncos. We're going we're gonna to get into that. I know Scott's got the Super Chat rankings set up for the month of July, so everybody knows where things stand on the Super Chat contest. I've got the Facebook Star Contest queued up. Everyone can see where uh, you stand on that side of things because we're hosting another meet and greet this fall at the stadium, week three, Broncos-Niners. It's a Sunday night game. We're going to be hanging out at the stadium all day long, Hang uh, food, some uh, some drinks, meeting, talking football, and from one winner on Facebook, one winner on YouTube, June, July, August, we're going to take the top three in each of those months, the rankings, cumulative, names go in a hat, we draw one, each one, one winner from YouTube, one winner from Facebook, all you got to do is get there, or if you live in Denver, just show up, and we're going to treat you, hang out with us all day, uh, if you need a place to stay, if you came from out of town, we'll pay for your hotel, we'll pay for your game ticket. It'll be fun. So it's the MHH meet and greet red carpet. That's the 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 prize this time around. It's not jerseys. It's not care package. That's what it is. And people have been waiting to see. We got Michaela at the very top right now in the month of July, followed by Ethan, DWI guys, a.k.a., at number two, and Sam Bam, currently number three, with Jason Walton at four. Tom, look, uh, how do you say Lockhuff at uh, at five. Andre, Corey, Jeff, Money, just outside, tied in the sixes, and uh, John Juno, Jason Bolin. So those are your rankings on Super Chat right now. Here in just a few minutes, I'll give you an update on Facebook. But, Scott, I want to shift gears really quick and talk about this illuminating conversation between Russell Wilson and Justin Simmons. He talked Can we about into this one real quick, Chad. Sorry, yeah, uh, before it gets too far away, uh, sure, sure. Jen came in and it looked like he was a maybe a, a Seattle Seahawks fan. Looks like that's what the avatar is, but based on the question, so Chad and Scott, you guys were in a transitional stage staff wise while Locke was in play. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as if in play, you know, he had a he had the he had Vic Fangio for three years, um, different offensive coordinator, two of his three years, but as far as uh, you know, the transitional stage, I would say, no, I wouldn't call it. Traditional. I would say, I would say it was pretty, pretty steady. Uh, it just wasn't good. You yeah. know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good. So it's not like, you know, you know, um, you know, I think Drew Locke may have had five offensive coordinators in five years or something, but that's kind of standard for, for college football players. Honestly, if they have success or offensive coordinator gets hired somewhere mm-hmm. else, um, that's fairly standard. Um, but he had a fairly stable, at least personnel-wise, environment in Denver. It just wasn't what you would consider a good environment for him while he was in Denver. I would say the biggest impediment to Drew Locke really popping in Denver was a combination of a coaching staff that didn't really believe in him, didn't go all in on him. I mean, they did in 2020, but they they didn't really stick with him like you would if you want to see it through with a with a young quarterback that you invested a premium round pick in and then Press, injuries second round picks not a premium round pick for a quarterback man it's not i i disagree dude on that i disagree i think if it's a if it's a for a quarterback you can make an argument that a third round pick is not a premium round pick but there's second round picks that turn out but i don't well, want I, I don't want to digress on that what i'm saying here is the broncos had the opportunity to truly invest in terms of the support, the it'd be one thing if it was Drew Locke, Scott, and 
you're deciding between, oh, do we play Drew Locke or, you know, Russell Wilson? Of course, you're playing Russell Wilson. But when it was Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, the, the margin was so negligent in terms of on the surface today, who's the better quarterback that, in my opinion, you err on the guy with the upside. They just didn't see it that way because the Broncos coaches, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, by the time you get to 2021, they're worried about losing their jobs. They got to turn the ship around. They got to figure out the best way to microwave it today. So they err on the side of the of the higher floor as opposed to the higher ceiling. Be that as it may, coaching foibles, Drew Lock injuries, and then Drew Lock just not on his own merit doing what it takes to find a way, make a way as a quarterback. And if he doesn't beat out Geno Smith this summer in Seattle, Scott, he's his his days as being viewed as even a plausible NFL starting quarterback threat are probably going to be gone. No, and I think you 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 came back around to it because what you said, you know, the biggest impediment to Drew Locke's success may be Drew Locke himself. He might just not be good enough. Yeah. Um, you know, he fell to the second round for a reason. 32 teams passed on him on the way through, including the Broncos. Um, and um you know what I mean though cuz he gets to the second round. Not everybody yep. has a pick in the first round. No, no, no. I said um, including the Broncos. Broncos passed yeah, okay, on. They yeah, including the Broncos. Two times they traded back, took Noah Fant, and then and, and then they actually they passed on him three times even though technically when they took Dalton Reisner one pick ahead of him, they took Reisner there cuz they just they had the deal already in place for Locke. They traded and so 41 Reisner, 42 Locke. No, I anyway. think you know it's a, it's a premium round pick, but not necessarily one that you are investing. This is our quarterback of the future, like you would a a, a first round guy. Um, so you know we'll we'll see how he how he uh, how it goes. But I mean, there's no there's no guarantees that he's going to start in Seattle, and there's no guarantees he's going to have a job because he can be a, a good backup. But again, um, he didn't play well and there's a multitude of reasons and the very biggest might end up being might True. have been all along that he just wasn't good enough. George yep. Payton certainly didn't hang on to him after he shipped those other guys out too. Of course he had a chance for Russell Wilson. That's an easy trade to make, but I never got the feeling that George Payton was all that sold on drew either. No, he said a lot of nice things, but mm-hmm. it just never came out in the wash for drew. I mean, outside of a uh, mostly impressive rookie campaign. And then from there it was spurts. Frankly, and when you don't have for most quarterbacks, I mean, when you don't have many other options, you're going to you're going to try and say the good things about your quarterback. You're going to say what needs to be said in the press behind closed doors, though. You saw how George Payton thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if Vic Fangio was the impetus for the whole Teddy thing. All right. Once you get to the summer of last year, Payton signed off on it when he when they went with Teddy over Drew. Payton rubber stamped that. So that in and of itself is a vote of at least uh, some kind of complicity in we don't think Drew's our best guy right now. And a sixth round pick and $4 million. Yeah. You know, it's not like they went out and actually invested in a quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they, they got, they got bargain bin for Teddy Bridgewater in, uh, in the way. But again, um, I thank you for the, for the comment side, Jen. Um, you know, we welcome, you know, good football talk from, from all fans, you know, and uh, a Heck good yeah. question. So pre- appreciate you coming in. What's cool though, for Broncos fans, we don't really have to Broncos fans don't have to hang their hopes anymore on a drew or a Teddy or a Joe or a case or a Trevor or a Paxson. Russell Wilson is in the hizzy. All right. Um, this was an interesting conversation. So I'm going to read this quote real quick, Scott, for people that are going to be listening after the fact, 
Uh, I'll read it. You guys that are watching with us now, hopefully you can see this on screen. But he says, there are a few things that a winning team has to have. First of all, they have to be able to flip the switch. There's a switch that's always on. And at times, you have to know when to turn it off, and then it's back on. And there's not an effort to turn it back on. It just comes on. And I think that's what we're really learning and capturing. I think the defense, Broncos defense, has always had that. I think offensively, we're really learning that right now, and it's coming along. So I think you've got to know when to turn that switch on, and really, it should be on almost all the time, close quote. We'll get to the second thing he said. But Scott, the whole idea of flipping a switch, at any point in the recent Broncos history, since you've been covering the team, have you seen a, an offense, or even a team, as a team, is this the, ki the kind of football team that has been able to flip a switch when the chips are down, find a way, make a way, turn the corner, emerge victorious. I haven't seen it. Something he's saying here, there's some truth to the whole. The best teams in the league, the Tom Brady-led teams, the Russell Wilson-led teams, the Aaron Rodgers-led teams, when the chips are down, it's time to flip that switch. The, the switch gets flipped, and as he mentions at the end there, it's almost always on. Well, you know, again, going back, I'll look at the records here. You know, how, how did he keep his job to begin with? Seven and nine, five, 11, seven and 10. That's the last three years of Vic Fangio. There was a switch. It was off <laughs> and it stayed off. It stayed yep. off. But I want, <clears throat> you know, there's some double talk here. I, I kind of want to give you an example of, of the, the, the switch being flipped and how important that is. You ever see how quickly, you know, the defense gets a stop. They come off, they're on the bench. And if there's a quick turnover, and the defense is right back out on the field and just stuff the team, you know, three and out, gone. And that team goes right down the field on them on a turnover or scores quickly. It happens all the time because mentally they were taking a break. You know, they were, we were like, mm -hmm. okay, it's offense's turn. And when they're not ready to go back on there, that switch has been flipped off yep. and it doesn't automatically turn back on. So that's just, uh, just an example of when stuff happens that you're not expected, this is, there's such fine margins in in NFL football with these absolutely elite athletes that yes, being mentally prepared, you cannot be mentally prepared 100% of the time. You, you you're you, you burn out. So there's a natural relaxation, and to to, to to when it's when you're surprised with a turnover, they're devastating, and that's when you see them. That's why the, yeah. the turnovers are so. Um, you know, so devastating to a team. John Clay eventing, not devastating, coming What's in up, here. Buddy? He's awesomeness. Said, evening, gents. So good to be with you guys. And, you know, it's good to have you here. Thanks for coming in, and thank you for the super coming in green, my friend. Um, No, the the switch has been off. Uh, I you know, watched this team last year for the first time where I watched, you know, all 17 games. I think it was week six. I said, this team's done. Stick a fork mm -hmm. in them. It's a dead man walking. They've quit playing for this guy. You know, I don't want to hear any talk last three games of the season. If they win this one, if they win. No, it's over. It's over. The team has quit on him. He's gone. I don't care if they beat Kansas City. Doesn't matter. Vic Fangio is toast. Yeah, how he survived into that third year, we're, we're always going to scratch our heads. But you're right. You bring up the idea of the sudden changes in a game, whether it's any kind of impediment, any kind of turnover or a corner gets beaten deep or whatever. The Broncos always post-Super Bowl 50, and I'm going to say post-2016, because the 2016 club was actually a very good club. They were barely missed the playoffs. Like, they were in it till the very end because they still had all those 
veterans that had been to the top of the mountain just a year before. And that energy, that juju was still very much present. They just didn't, they lacked that quarterback dynamism. Flash forward the ensuing five seasons, anytime you guys saw, anytime at the first sign of an obstacle, of something not going their way, they cast their eyes to the ground, slump their shoulders, here we go again, like they expected that. Instead of, as we're going to learn here, the second key Russell Wilson talks about for a winning team, instead of believing, unrelenting belief that we're going to find a way, make a way. Here's what he said, quote, there's another part that I think you've got to have, and that's unrelenting belief. The best teams in the world, they have unrelenting belief. It doesn't matter what the score is. doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter what happened the week before. We're going to believe, and that's it. There is no other option, close quote. And when he said that, Scott, it was like triggering my PTSD because I, I can remember screaming at the TV, guys, it was just one fumble halfway through the first quarter. It's going to be okay if you keep your head in the game, but as soon as you go, oh, here we go again, let's give up the ghost, of course you're not going to be able to overcome it. There's no trust um, and there's no belief in both sides of the off of the of the of the ball. You know, when your offense is that bad, your defense is eventually going to give up. It's yeah. like, listen, we've been holding these guys forever. And if you fall behind, you're like, man, we're done. You know, or it's it's just when when you've got an ability to win the game on either side of the ball, you know, listen, it's okay. They're gonna they got our backs. You know, we gave up seven. You know, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are going to say, so what? We get the ball back. We're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we want the ball. I know you didn't. We gave up a touchdown. We'll go get it back. We'll go get it back. You know, you, you throw an interception. That's all right. We got a good defense. We got you. We'll, we'll pick you up. We'll, we'll get your back. There's going to there's gonna be a belief, at least in the beginning, until we see otherwise, that either side of the ball can win this game, can win a game, can win any given game. And that's going to be something that we – you haven't seen, I definitely haven't seen in the last year of watching the Denver Broncos. There was there was no belief. It was expectations of failure. Quote that exactly. one. That was pretty good. Exactly, dude. <laughs> exactly. All right, real quick, guys. We're about getting out of here. Uh, sh- here is the update for the month of July. <clears throat> the leaderboard on Facebook, our top star supporters, Phil McLaughlin, number one, Gary Leeds Palmer, Number two, Mark Schrader. Number three, Big T, Travis Weber. Number four, Howie Frickin' Day. Number frickin' five. And then just a few of the names outside, Chris Hernandez, legend. Tim Hoffman, legend. Chad Beach, legend. Jacob the Silent One Foster, legend. And then a newer name, Dean W. Johnson. That rounds out the top 10 on Facebook 10 days now into the month of July. And Scott, you know, I think we've kind of covered all the topics we wanted to get to tonight. We appreciate each and every one of you. Here in the the darkest period of the NFL summer, peeling off some of your time, peeling off 48, 49, 50 minutes to come talk with Scott and myself. Tomorrow, Zach's going to be back in the saddle. And uh, Scott, myself. He froze up just a little bit. Zach will be back tomorrow in case you didn't hear Chad. He froze up just a little bit. Did I freeze again? Just for a second. You said Zach will be and then they're like, wait a minute, you left us hanging. Is he back or not? <laughs> um, yeah, he's back. Yeah. Zach will be back tomorrow. So he's had a, a hopefully he's had a great week off, comes back refreshed, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, uh, and ready to go. Yes, indeed. Guys, in the meantime, make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Go to the merch store, HuddleUpPod.com, and grab a T-shirt, grab a hat, grab a mug, grab a sticker, 
little something something helps support what we're doing here just like the super chats just like the stars helps keep the lights on here at mhh connect with us also with the mother account on twitter at mile high huddle while you're at it i know there's over a hundred thousand of you that follow on facebook the main mile high huddle page but also make sure you're following the podcast page where every single podcast from this one to broncos for breakfast to building the broncos Mile High Insiders, all of them are streamed on that page. So if you're a Facebook user, you want to make sure you follow the Mile High Huddle Pod, facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. And uh, don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. The winner from last month, here we go. You ready? Travis Weber. I, I ran it, did the, did the uh, drawing earlier today. Travis Weber, thank you, dude, for leaving the five-star review in the month of June. You got a little care package coming your way. If you have received something from us before, whether it's from the merch store or in an email correspondence with me or whatever, I still need you to shoot me an email, Travis, milehighhuddle at gmail.com with your updated uh, shipping address, and we're going to get you out a little care package. So thanks for doing that. Scott, dude, appreciate you hanging in with um, Zach and myself, co-hosting. Ooh, what do we got here? Phil coming in. He says, I don't think there will be any letdown this year with the new coaching staff and this great QB we have. It's certainly a different dynamic. Um, I, I can promise you one thing. I said it during the coaching search. The team may implode. It may go, it's possible they go 0-17. It's not probable, but it's going to be, there's going to be a culture change. There's mm-hmm. going to be energy. There's going to be excitement. That's what I said before the, before the coaching stuff. We were talking about the, the, the names that were being mentioned. Even if it was Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is a high-energy, super-positive guy. Nathaniel Hackett, we've seen that. Russell Wilson coming in, high-energy, focused, intense, respected, and it's been all smiles. I don't think there's going to be a letdown either. I, I think they love what they do. Did you ever get, did you ever get the feeling that, that Vic Fangio loved being a head coach of the Denver Broncos? Did you ever, I, did you I, ever get that feeling? Look, I did get the feeling that he loved football more than anything else in the world. But I never got that's, the feeling. That's he not was what passionate. I asked. I know, but that's not but what I never I got the feeling that he was like take a bullet for the Denver Broncos, passionate about this team. Mm-hmm. We 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 were missing that in Denver. We've been missing that. Even VJ, Vance Joseph. You know, there were just each guy post Gary Kubiak has just had one or two attributes, maybe more. <laughs> you know, you can. You can come up with your own, but missing. I just got the feeling, Chad, that the job was too big for him. It yeah, was his first exactly. head coaching over their job. And yeah. all the BS you have to deal with as the head guy when, by God, all I want to do is scheme defenses and call plays. Yep. I just want to be a football coach. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to have to remember suited. Drew Locke's birthday. Are you kidding yeah. me? Come on. Well, I, I just want to forgot it. it. wasn't that he forgot it. It was how he acted when he was reminded. Oh, yeah, and happy birthday to – Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, it's Drew Locke's birthday, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I was trying not to say anything about it. <laughs> oh, um, thank the I, Lord I, for that I, water being under the bridge, Scott. The job the job was too big for him. And, and again, a lot of really smart, successful coordinators, they're like mad scientists. They don't want to have, have the top job. They think they do until they get it, and they're like, I don't have to deal with the press. I don't have to deal with salary cap. I don't have to deal with this guy's contract. I don't want to deal with any of that crap. I just want to coach football. And again, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I never got the feeling watching Vic Fangio that he wanted right. to be the head coach, really loved being the head coach. 
I agree. It was so, and I, man, you've got freaking uh, Nathaniel Hackett's got permagrin. Oh yeah, you know you, you can't get it off my face. Yeah. I'm the head coach. I'm, I can't wait to get out there and call plays. I mean, he's yeah. it's. I'm Refreshing. excited. I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, no doubt. Guys, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Chad. That's Scott. We'll be back tomorrow night. No Broncos for breakfast tomorrow, right? Tuesday? We'll be back Tuesday. So we're off in the morning, and then the Huddle Up Boys will be back. The what, wait, when is when is Broncos for breakfast returning to Monday morning? We haven't said it for sure, um, but my guess will be the week, the Monday of the first preseason game of August 13th. Okay. Yeah, so that, that would be good. around the 8th, uh, whatever that Monday is. Come back. Cool. uh come back in about three weeks cool all right guys we love you we appreciate you we'll see you tomorrow have a good night not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.